Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Mean Old Lion Media presents The History of Being Black. Welcome to The History of Being Black. I'm Jay Hall. Where we're here, we talk about all things being black and culture. And I'm really excited today because I got my homie. So I'm not even going to front. Like, I don't know this individual right here, this magnificent person. My homie, Rika Robinson. What's up, homie? Listen, you can't be having all these flattering <laughs> things to say. You're making, <laughs> you're making me blush. You might use this video, so. No, <laughs> no, nah, nah, it's all uh, good. I, it's, let, let me tell them what you, you, know, what you do, because yeah. this resume is, is, is kind of out there. You know, <laughs> um, host of the Single You podcast, mm-hmm. where I've been, a, I've been a guest. Founder of the Single You Academy. And single girls life coach. And I know you got a whole lot of other stuff on your resume I probably missed because since we last talked, you've been adding things. Anything else I'm missing? I mean, for this world, the potting world, that is the Mm -hmm. resume for that. But obviously I have a full-time job. I'm a project manager and I just passed my PMP, which... I don't even think I know how big of a deal that is right now. So, uh, but everybody's telling me in this world of project management. So there's that. And of course, Howard University, we bison. So always have to say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, first of all, congratulations on that. Thank you. Thank you. you know, congratulations. And I, I see the dust off the show that you just did. I don't know. It's totally fine. No, it's totally fine. It's totally fine. I don't, I don't mind. <laughs> right. I don't mind being stunting on. I don't mind being stunting on. One of the things that I noticed at least in the past couple of years with you in particular is the advocating of why it is okay for women to be single. You know, that was, it's not only in the fine print, but that was something I saw you do even before you announced that you had your own podcast, everything you was on Twitter and everything like that. Can you kind of let us know where that kind of story began? Like what did you, was it something you've seen or was it like an evolution or it was like a, a stamp, a moment? So, <laughs> I mean, there's so many moments. And one of the things that um, it's funny because when I was 12, I never saw a woman in my immediate family that was single or didn't have kids. Like everybody in my family is married. My parents are still married, which great marriage. My aunts and uncles. And then I had cousins who had kids, even though they may have never been married. So then when I hit 30, which I'm 38 now, it affected me when I hit 30 because I was like, crap, I'm not my mom. Because my mom, who married my dad, was like 22 and started having kids. And that freaked me out. And unfortunately, that mindset put me in a relationship that was not healthy. It was an emotionally abusive relationship. And that lasted two years. And then when I got out of that relationship, that's when I had like a come to Jesus moment, right? I was looking at myself in the mirror like, I literally remember saying, what the F was that? I don't know if I can cuss on here or not. but No, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I literally was like, what the F was that? Because... In my mind, I was like, I was this like dope woman who would never let somebody treat me disrespectfully. And I went to Howard. Like, I just thought I was, quote unquote, smarter than that. And so that relationship changed the trajectory of like the way I thought about singleness and how I wanted to show up from now on. And so, in fact, 
after that relationship, it took me uh, a few months. It was June of like 2017. He broke up with me. Oddly enough, saying he couldn't trust me when he was cheating on me the whole time. But anyway. Um, that's how it goes. That's how it goes. A lot of projection in that relationship. But we, uh, so he broke up with me in June, December of 2017. I took a trip to Mexico by myself. And there were three questions that I asked myself. And it was, who does God say I am? Who do I say I am? And how am I going to show up in this world from now on? And from there, that's when I just started the whole like renewing of my mind, like the transformation and the pivot. And that's probably when you saw the the start, because then I didn't know like, oh, yeah, I'm gonna do single you the podcast. I'm gonna do single mm-hmm. you academy. Nothing like that. So but that's when it started. That's where it started for sure. OK, so I get where the battery came. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, it's one thing, you know, and listen, breakups are difficult like they are. You know, even if you're the person in the wrong, you're the person in the right or however, you know, we all kind of try to come away as human nature, try to come away with some sort of lesson. But even with those feelings, not a lot of us say we're going to make something a profession. What made you say, like, I need to take the lesson that I learned and try to help others, other women learn this lesson, too? Absolutely. You know, Maya Angelou says, when you learn, you teach. Right. So when I was on my journey, mind you, I'm on the radio at this time here in Washington state. And for a while, when that breakup happened and everything was happening, I couldn't really express myself the way I wanted to because I was embarrassed. There was a lot of shame. Being a woman over 30, like I said, I have these credentials that I have. I couldn't believe that I allowed that kind of relationship. And to be honest, the previous relationship wasn't the best either. So it was kind of like, you know, what Oprah says, like life comes at you in whispers. And if you don't listen, you'll hit the brick wall. Well, that relationship was the brick wall, but there was whispers before. So I finally woke up and said, okay, clearly there's something wrong here. And it's me, right? I'm the common denominator. So let me figure that out. And once I went on that journey, I was like, oh my God, (laughs) like everybody else needs to know. And in fact, the moment that he broke up with me, we were in the car. I remember it was in Atlanta and he was breaking up with me. And in the midst, I started crying and it wasn't crying because, oh my God, you're breaking up with me. No, it was crying because I felt a weight of relief because I wasn't woman enough to break up with him. Um, I told you that relationship lasted two years. But in that moment, I heard God say, I will use this story. And I knew it wasn't my voice because I would, why would, I was like, I ain't using this story. Ain't nobody about to know. I done went, heck no, I'm supposed to be smart, quote unquote, right? And so I knew that I wasn't going to share. And so I didn't for a while. Like I said, it was months. But then once I started sharing and I started doing the healing and I was receiving all of this healing and the relationship with my uh, listeners changed from like, oh, Rika, you're so funny. What you said about Kim Kardashian's hilarious to, yo, what you said, because I started sharing my story. What you said on the radio has shifted this for me. In fact, I still have this on my wall, on my why wall, like why I do what I do. I had a lady send me a message that said, Rika, I want you to know that I was in the hospital because my ex-boyfriend broke my ribs. And that's the day that I left him because I remember what you like the stories you would share. And because of you, I left him. And I was like, oh, shoot. So that was another battery. So I was like, can I do this 10 times over? I want every woman to leave a situation that is dysfunctional, whether it be emotional, physical or whatever, because we just think of the physical. We don't think about the emotions, like the emotional abuse. We don't know that that exists because people don't talk about it. And so once I got that, I was like, oh, I have to do this more. So how what can I create that helps women be transformed by the renewing of their mind that helps women get out of this mindset of thinking, oh, I'm less valuable because I'm not married, because when you have that mindset, 
That's what gets you in those relationships. Cause you're like, I don't want to die alone. I can't be 30 and single. I'm, you know, I'm going to be a spinster or whatever the words they like to throw at us. <laughs> um, right. And so I knew that from, like I said, from that moment, from that moment, I got that message from that, 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 uh, that woman, one of my listeners, I was like, it's go time. What can I do to help them get here? See, I, I want people to know how important and significant this is. Cause so Rika, you know, is being very humble. She, she did the radio game for a very long time. We both were in this game for a very long time, fresh out of college, you know, we hit each other up through DM and we end up in the same state. And I feel as if we both kind of had this crossroads or something, because I know that feeling you saying, like I was in Indiana when Barack Obama was being reelected and Trayvon Martin was murdered. It was so difficult for me to talk about Kevin Hart tickets. And you know, when, when this was on my mind and during that period, it wasn't a lot of room you realize just how boxed in you are. No disrespect to the traditional radio because it was what we wanted at the time. But as you develop as a voice, you start to realize how boxed in because it's about promotion, saying something very quick, and then you get up out of there. So I don't think people know how much that was a career change for someone like you because you were doing mornings, you were at a major market, you were doing your thing. Like that was not something most people do. Most people get in that morning and they're like, I'm going to ride this into the wheels fall off. For you, you made that shift. What, what yeah. was it like? Yeah. And it t- so 18 years, I guess. I don't know. I'm like, when do I start counting my years? Do I count when I was 19? Do I, I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. Do I count the years of Howard? I don't know. But yeah, definitely um, just under 20 years. In the So I do consider myself a radio vet. And the reason why I stepped down for ra- from radio is... Um, not solely because it really wasn't about like me starting this business of being like a life coach and getting certified and wanting to help women, um, you know, be transformed. It was really because COVID happened and they had let go of my, what at that time was my fourth co-host. And Mm. I'm going to tell you this, none of my co-hosts left because of me. And so when I, when that happened and COVID's happening and, and like you said, this boxed in of like, I'm supposed to entertain you, but something in the world is happening that I don't even know how to talk about right now. And you want me to continue at that level? Absolutely not. So I actually approached my uh, boss at the time and was like, listen, I don't know that I can do mornings anymore, waking up at 430. Like I'm struggling. I am not sleeping at night. I am having panic attacks. Like I'm, you know, and I actually put it out there on the table and told the truth. And I was looked at like I had three heads. They looked at me like, Mm. well, this is how we've always done it. Because I actually offered like, instead of doing mornings, can I just move to afternoons? Um, Because at that time, James, who was uh, in the afternoon slot, he was the program director and he was fighting for me. He was like, I don't need to do afternoons. She can do it. But they didn't accept it. So I was like, okay, well, I quit. And I, I, I have faith in myself and I stepped out on my own. And yeah, the business, it, it, it worked out for me. You can ask my freaking tax bill that I got now, um, <laughs> <laughs> which is why I yeah. knew I had to come get a, a corporate Woo. kind of job. Right. Um, so the transition, it just, every, the timing was perfect on everything. Um, I don't know if you saw my post today, but I was like, yo, top tier is waking up and going, damn, I got good sleep. I didn't have good sleep for mm. eight years because I did morning for eight years, but definitely in that last two, it was really hard. And I was afraid of my, like, what would happen to me if I kept on this track of not sleeping? We see what happens. We know mental health. We in the mental health space. Like, I know what happens if you keep on this track for a very long time. And I was like, nope, what I won't be doing is this. I got to go. So that is why I left. But like I said, it was timing. And so now I do have my platform. And yeah. 
Well, here's why I think that moment is so significant is because when people hear about, you know, you advocating for single women, it's very easy to think, okay, cool. It's about you don't need no man and you don't need it. But when you spoke about going to your boss and saying, hey, listen, I can't do this no more. There is something about the way they kind of ignored you. I can't help the thing. I'm not saying you saying this because you were single. Because I know women who are, in, who are in that business that were married. If they said that their husband wanted them to do something and told their program director that their husband feels like that, it's no argument. But you being that single woman at that time, it was almost as if you were shamed because it's what responsibilities you have. You don't have any kids or something like that. Now, you let me know. Am I overreaching or no, no, somewhere and, in that and, area? And at this time in radio, like obviously COVID happened and then all of the political stuff, George Floyd. And I was out there and like I was not. You know, I did shave it off a little bit, so it was more palatable, but I was straight shot, no chaser, like how I felt. And I live, um, what I was telling your producer earlier, um, so I am from Seattle, Seattle all day, okay? Still crying about Russell Wilson, but anyway. But I live in Eastern, <laughs> but I live in Eastern Washington, which is very red. So it's very Trump supporter, this, that, da, 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 da. And my boss at that time literally said to me, well, don't go all Angela Davis on me. Are you, is he white? Okay, Jay. go ahead. Go Jay. ahead, go is ahead, go ahead. Yeah. Because I, you know, a lot of, I just want to be, yep. I just want to be clear. Yep. I just want to be clear. Yep. So go ahead, yep. go ahead. And even though I had eight years, mind you, I, I was in this community eight years on the morning show. I got a school named after my grandma out here, the history of my family out here. I thought I had enough clout to say, listen, I am struggling. Will you help me? But obviously I didn't. And I don't know if it's because I'm black. I don't know if it's because I'm a woman, because they're never going to tell you that. I don't know exactly what it uh, was if we can speculate and assume i just know i made the right decision i made the right decision because jay when i left when i put in my two weeks i didn't even get so much as an email saying thank you for the past eight years turning your key i turned in my key because i knew that's what i was supposed to do but outside of that no party nothing like when somebody leaves a company especially the amount of work they put in the eight years the what i built here because look, i'm not gonna be humble right now but i'm the out here i'm the beyonce of this city and for them oh, yeah know. for them to just like i i'm still pissed about it i'm sure you can tell i mean i've done a lot of healing and i don't cry about it anymore but still pissed about it and that is one of the things that irks me because it's like wh why because i'm black because i'm a woman why and see this is the part that becomes interesting because you know as a black as a black man i'm and a lot of black men so used to being discriminated against and thinking that. I think a lot of Black men find it hard to understand that there's another layer, a blind spot that we would never really truly experience because I'm not a woman. You know, I didn't have the woman experience, especially the Black woman yeah. experience. Yeah. And so I don't remember a time where I had to worry about being shamed for being single or to give someone a reason yeah. to why I wasn't married. It was always just assumed that I'm out there enjoying my bachelor life. Yeah. Now, Okay, cool. You don't want to speculate that that's what happened. I, I will. So Jay Hall says it was because, yes, you were Black, you were a woman. I said that. Rika did not say that. But where do you think this history of being shamed, mm -hmm. of being single, come from, from your perspective? Yeah. I know I got my yeah. thing. Where do you think that this come from? <laughs> Everywhere. I'm like, every direction. I think it's religion, for sure. Um, I think it's the way they set up America, for sure. So let's just talk about those two lands. Religion, and especially in the Old Testament, they did talk about, um, they did have a lot of scenarios where w women had to be married, right? And I think a lot of Christianese and religious 
uh, people will teach women that you are a better Christian woman, better black Christian woman, if you get married and have them babies, because you need to be fruitful and multiply. What they have missed is Paul wrote like 80% of the Bible, maybe 60%. Don't quote me on that. But what they have missed is 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 8, where it says, where Paul writes to the Corinthian church, it is better to be single to my widows and to my um, singles. It is better to remain single as I have. And he goes in to talk about why and relationship with God and finding yourself first before you go on that road. But a lot of Christians don't like to talk about that scripture. When I went on my journey, like I said, the solo trip to Mexico and I went face first in the Bible. And when I read that scripture, I picked up my Bible and threw it across the room because I was pissed. I said, didn't nobody tell me that. Everybody was like, you need to be praying for your husband. You need to pray for your Boaz. If you, what's wrong, baby, you turned 25. And they like, babe, your clock is ticking. And they put this pressure on you because they want you to have kids. Because everybody, misery loves company, right? Not to say people with kids are miserable, but you know, same kind of effect. So you have that religious aspect. And then you have the aspect of the way America was set up. Women couldn't even buy houses, job, credit card, none of that. Like my mom was born into that. As she grew up, then she was able to have a credit card. But my grandparents, my gra- our grandmothers couldn't have a credit card. Not without your husband. Sorry, where's your husband at? Where's Jay? If that's your husband, he needs to sign for it. We could not, we literally could not survive as women without having a man. So it was also part of survival, right? Of just self-preservation. I need to go get married. And that's why you stay in relationships too, right? So that's why everybody praising our grandparents for staying together for so long. But it's like, yeah, but grandpappy had about 17 other kids from other women. He has a whole, like the abuse that happened, not in my family. I don't want to, I do want to say, I actually am very privileged in the fact that both sides of my grandparents were married, very happy. My parents are still married, very happy. But from what I see, what I'm told, I know you've heard Kendrick Lamar's album, the pain that we pass off as culture, that's happening a lot in our relationships as black people, because you think you're supposed to endure this. And that also goes back to religion where you think, oh, well, I'm Christian. So that means I have to accept everything and be nice to everybody. Being kind to somebody is a very different thing than staying in a relationship because God hates divorce. And I need to love on this man and give him grace and stay with him, even though I'm getting beat or emotionally abused. Right. So there's there's so many angles on why the narrative of women need to be married is it's just it's so heavy the weight on us is so heavy no you, you so when you speak about that two things come to mind from my own personal you know experience you know as an 80s baby when my mother and my father divorced they divorced when i was like months old my mother kept the last name hall because of she felt that she needed to navigate in society because she saw how women would be in shame with different last names. Now, now it might seem normal, right? Your mother got a different last name from your child. But back then it was still considered a, a whatever. And my mother was saying she saw there were women who were not getting called back for interview too when they had a different last name. You know what I mean? And even though her and my father had been long divorced, moved out the house and everything else, she kept that name just so her and I can have the same last name when she come, like teachers treated her different, the principal treated her different, Everybody literally treated her a little bit more respectful than they would treat the mother who would come in just simply off a different last name. And when you brought up about the grandmothers, you're right. There were certain states that didn't even allow women to have their own bank account to the 70s. My grandfather, when he died, 
my mother had to take my grandmother to the bank and they had to take my grandfather death certificate just so they could know, like, listen, this money is hers and she needs to have her own bank account. And they had to have that private battle. So there are all these little small private battles that took place that us as men have a blind spot to and we take for granted. But yet we want to make this comparison without even asking any questions or understanding context of that. Because, yeah, mommy, grandmas and granddaddies were married for 50 something years, but they're humans. And based upon the conditions that they had, my grandmother migrated from the South with my grandfather. Now, were they happy? I wasn't alive. I like to think that they were happy. But at the end of the day, she was not going to be able to just go from South, some small town of South Carolina all the way up to Detroit, Michigan, in a town she had never heard of with no relatives on her own as a Black woman without any kind of scars. So So there was a protection factor. And it's just so crazy how the thought process of Oh, you're a woman. There's no way you can make decisions by yourself. Where where's your husband? There's no way you can make decisions mm-hmm. for your son if y'all don't have the same last name. Where's the dad? Like it's just it's it's really sad and I think the women the privilege that we have today when we're not using it, I feel like our ancestors are like, "But sweetie, you can do things that I could never do. Go do go buy that house." Go get that line of credit. Start the business because I couldn't do it. So I feel like they, you know, what if we could sit down and talk to those women and be like, would you want me to get married and have 17 babies? Or what What? What would you have done if you got, what a time to be alive in 2022, right? And again, I'm not against marriage. I'm not against having babies. I'm just saying you have options. And back then we didn't have options. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. And do you think, with something as historical as that, that still plays into, I mean, you know, homie dead, but it is what it is. The Kevin Samuels of the world, the 35 unmarried, you know, quote, you know, you're you're just a leftover. You know, you think that still plays into that because that's I mean, because I, I mean, dude, dude died at yeah. 56, so he was from right. a certain era. But I'm not right. going to pretend as if he was the only person right, right, saying right. that. I definitely heard younger men saying the same thing. <laughs> Lord. <laughs> right. Take your time. <laughs> Cause he is there, right? But I'm not gonna pretend that I liked him. So we we're not gonna do that. I'm not going to pretend. No, go ahead. Um, so here's what I will say. The reason why I did not really like Kevin Samuels platform, even there were there were some things that I did agree with, but the fact that he would say things like, oh, if you're 35 and older, nobody's going to want you. You're, you know, basically discarded or what have you. That's the mindset. A leftover. And honestly, I didn't even watch it. I would only watch like clippings when people would send it to me. So let me also preface it with that. But when I saw that and some of the other clippings I saw, I said, oh, see, he's stirring in that fear and shame realm that women already have. We already know when we hit 30, oh, damn, y'all probably look at me different. So um, when somebody is stirring that up in you and that is all you are watching, of course, that is going to create anxiety in you and make you feel like I am behind. I am less than when if you actually. So I'm a woman of faith and that's the women that I coach. Right. And so um and that's the lane that I'm in just because I grew up in church. And so I'm, I, that's the woman that I'm speaking for. 
So when you have somebody like a Kevin Samuel stirring that up into you, I need you to remember what God said about you because God never promised a husband. He never did. That's not a promise on our life. It's not. And we forget that we need to actually seek God to get the identification of self. Right. And the more you do that, the more you will self-actualize. And then people saying comments like that won't affect you because I would see it and I would just be like, okay, this would have affected me 10 years ago. But I'm 38. No kids. Good job. Taking care of myself. Somebody, some man out there is praying for me as his wife. He is not going. Okay, she can't be over 35, Lord. That's not. No. Unless he's 22. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, if he, if he was 22, come out of um, Howard, then he was looking for a 38. Yeah. But that's just me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I just, I did not, um, yeah, I, I did not agree with the way he went about things, for sure. Yeah, you know, it, it's something about this whole, and again, not to give that too much light, but what he had to say, the reason why it resonated with so many men in particular, because for me, I felt like he was the champion of their insecurities. You know, there are a lot of guys that are still upset about their middle school crush not choosing them for yeah. the prom, you know. And they took that anger and they grew up and they got older. So when someone was speaking about that, it became a finger point, like a there, a there, a there. And there's something about what you said earlier about how America is structured that I just kind of want you to touch on because America does structure, especially as a Black, what we can provide makes it our value. So if a woman cannot provide children and her value is almost like she she has nothing, it's, it's like cattle. You know, just like as a man, I'm supposed to be able to supply some sort of labor. And that labor can be anything when you want to modernize it. It can be what I was, my ancestors was on the cotton field, and it could be all the way to the NBA playoffs right now. But what am I doing that can satisfy America? How do you, when you're speaking to women who have, you know, you have this understanding and you know where this history from, how do you have that conversation when they've had so much of that either being conditioned with them through what they watch on TV, how they was raised in the church, being here in America? Like, what is your approach? What's the first thing you can come out to kind of get them to understand, like, a lot of this thought process is not really their fault? So to answer that question, I always... So what I tell women is I'm not here to make you me. I'm not here to make you me. As a coach, I'm not a therapist because I ask questions to pull out of you the way you want to live, right? And a lot of my clients explain it to me this way. Rika, you helped me unlearn a lot of the bad Christian religion society doctrine that I was taught about dating. And then you helped me map out my blueprint. So we got to take a lot of that out of you. I'm just trying to think of a cliche. They always say, God will give you the desires of your heart. So you think you were promised a husband because you desire one. Yeah, but the scripture before that and after that talks about how you have to have this relationship with God first. And then the desires of your heart will be from God. It's not going to be this manly, carnal, human flesh thing. That's not how it works. And again, it's not a promise. So I have like, it's a 12-week program and I have all of these workshops that we do that help you get out of that mindset. Because one of my pillars is be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So we have to renew the way that you even think about yourself as a single woman, the way that you view yourself in the mirror. We have to work on that first. And then an extension of that and the side effect, which is a good side effect, is that you will now date better because you will know who you are deeper than your favorite color is blue. You will know what you want and how to get it, which is in your boundaries, 
Okay. You will have the audacity to believe that you can get what you want and the patience to wait for it. But a lot of us don't have patience because we're afraid to die single, whatever that means. My parents have been married for over 40 years. Guess what? One go on before the other. Yo, I remember, and this is my final kind of question for you. I remember seeing you on TikTok and you were going in about how people generalize each other. Yo, that's that right there was such a moment for me. You know what I mean? Because I that's the arguments I have in circles when people, you know, even on both sides. Like I feel like both sides does it. You know, men do this and women do that. Can you touch on that a little bit about why that is a problem? I I think the video that you are talking about is um, I actually talked about Kevin Samuels in this video before he even died. And I, I typically don't really name drop or like drag people. But the example that I use is like, I just feel like us 35 year olds has let Kevin Samuels dictate how we're going to date. Why can't we just meet each other and say, Jay, you interested in me? I'm interested in you. And then we operate from that. So what is suitable for me is this. What is suitable for you is that. And let's see if we if that works for us. And then we get to dictate how we're going to move forward. Not not because our mama said not because religion, not because Kevin Samuels. And so when we get into this space of like listening to all of the negative people and taking a black and white approach to dating, that is where this frustration and like cycle is going to continue um, because everything is not black and white. And what we also do is we're operating through the lens of our bad experiences. So because I was in an emotionally abusive relationship or this man treated me this way, I now think all men are like that. That doesn't make sense. It, how does that, where, the math ain't mathing, as they say, because the woman that you were, or the man that you were even five years ago, ain't even the same. So I, we can't, the generalization of each other, this is why I feel like, well, see, okay, I'll finish my statement. This is why I feel like we're in this mess. But what I also wanted to say is I have a very optimistic approach. Like, I really don't think there's as much drama as we think there is. I just think that's the things that get highlighted the most through the love and hip hops and all the reality shows and everybody fighting and everybody getting cheated on and this and that and the third. But I think in real life, it's less dramatic. At least that maybe that's way too glasses half full type of situation. But um, I just mm-hmm. choose to believe that there is something better out there for me and that I will find him. I don't have a what they call a um, I have a growth mindset. That's what I have. So. Yeah, no, no, I'm, I'm totally with that because I mean, I, I feel like it's the same argument with those who are followers of the Derrick Jacksons and them of the world. Right. It's kind of this thing of, you know, a real man would do this and a real man would do that. But. I think one of the issues that I reason why I agree with you so much, because I think one of the problems is because people don't just walk away from a person experience and say, this is how this person treated. They have to, they're so, you know, they have to make it where it's everybody and people just don't know how to walk away. Like you said, if you and I say we're interested in each other, Hey, Rico, I'm interested in you. Jay Hall, I'm interested in you. And then we don't work out. We can't just say, Hey, listen, it's not working out. We have to walk away and be like, yeah, I'm walking away, but your feet stink. Like we have to do some sort of insult to like what Kendrick Lamar is saying, we we have this um, heritage of grief that we continue to want to pass on of hurting people. And we just can't simply just walk away. And then we carry that mindset. And I feel like it cheats you out of that when you generalize people, because there's not a Rika, you know, I've never met another Rika, no, you know, nowhere. We, me and you go back almost 20 years. I never met another you, no matter how much another black woman I might meet from Seattle. She's not you. Right. And I should be able to walk away. Right. We're all different. And that, yeah. And that reminds me of another video I did where like, 
women will be in these relationships, get out of it and want to call every dude a narcissist. Oh, he was a narcissist. He was this. No, maybe he just wasn't suitable for you. Or maybe you just keep fumbling your boundaries so you get treated the way you get treated. Because it starts, everything starts with us, right? And not to say that any way any man has treated me was bad. But when I look back on those relationships, or not to say that any way a man treated me, the emotionally abusive relationship was good. And, 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 and you know, that it, it was a bad situation for sure. But when I look back on that situation, I know that I fumbled my boundaries. I allowed it. Maya Angelou also says you teach people how to mm. treat you. Is that Maya Angelou? I know she says it, when people show you who they are, believe them. But right, exactly. She got bars. So you teach people how to treat you. So look at your track track record. How did you teach those men, those men that it was okay to do X, Y, and Z? That's that's what's up. You know, as usual, I can talk to you all day. Um, let people know how they can get to you and what you provide for them. So, yeah. So I just I am on a mission to help women understand that they are worthy regardless of their relationship status. And if you are a woman who needs to get better at keeping boundaries, then I would be the coach for you. OK. And of course, we would have a conversation about that. And I do have a lengthy application process because I want to make sure that you understand what you're getting and you understand how I teach. And then I also understand you. And I need to know that I can actually get you to where I want you to be. OK. Um, so I'm on Instagram. Instagram, just me, Rika, that's R-E-K-A. I, I, I am on TikTok as the same name, Twitter, and then my podcast is Single You, the podcast. I appreciate this. You know, we let people in on our mm -hmm. conversations that you and I have. So, you know, this, these were some bars. As usual, I always walk away kind of writing down yeah. stuff that you say because I feel like the things that you say, you know, people can, you know, really learn from it. But thank you very much for showing up. And as usual, you know, it's always a blessing to talk to you. So please make sure you follow her on social media and make sure you follow her on Twitter. <laughs> she's popping bars free game. I'll be, I'll be trying. Throughout the day, yeah. you know. No, no, no. Because listen, I have a I have a 19-year-old niece. And the one thing I've been trying with her very early is understanding that she is, she is valuable now. So I need people like you and voices of Black women like you who say it's okay, you know. So I really just want to always say to everybody how much I respect and how much I love you for being an advocate for that. So thank you very much. No for problem, me. man. No problem. Anything for anything for Jay, yeah. not only because you a bison, but because you Jay as well. So, And I'm going to have to get you back on the podcast for sure. Oh, no, for real, for real. You know, I always, I always right. accept your invite. Right. So yeah, thank you very much. That does it for this episode of The History of Being Black. Make sure you check out my homegirl, Rika Robinson. It's been real dope. I'm Jay Hall. It was a lot that we learned from the day, but I wish I could give you a bar, but she gave so many Maya Angelou <laughs> Bible references, bars and everything. Me giving that would just be an overreach. I'm just going to say, listen, be kind, be gentle, and as usual, be blessed and successful. We'll talk to you soon. The History of Being Black is hosted by Jay Hall, executive producer Ken Johnson. Find the History of Being Black podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Odyssey, Amazon Music, or where you get your podcast. Find the History of Being Black podcast on IG at The History of Being Black. Follow the Mean O-Line Media Podcast Network on IG at Mean O-Line Media. Get the Mean O-Line Media app in the App Store or on Google Play. The History of Being Black podcast is a Mean O-Line Media production. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. 
Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.